Hello and welcome to this episode of Not a Lady, a Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman podcast. My name is Sarah. And this is Kelly. And this is episode six of season one, titled Father's Day. But before we jump in with the episode, we have lessons. Thank you to everyone who wrote in for lessons for last week's episode. The first lesson we received was from the Instagram account Prairie Dances, and they said, Another great episode. I loved your comments, especially about Dr. Mike. I actually partially wrote my master's history thesis on Dr. Quinn and historical movies slash TV shows, which are really more about the time period in which they were made than the time period in which they are trying to portray. I think a lot of what Michaela does here is what people were taught to say in the 90s. Example, the slightly cringe-inducing pep talk to Colleen. (laughs) Thanks for the lesson on giving people the time to grieve that they need regardless of how long. Can't wait for the next episode. Thanks so much for writing in. I think that's a great lesson about grief, that people don't all grieve the same pace, and we should allow people to grieve and never make them feel guilty for grieving. Yep. Also, Prairie Dances, I wrote them back and said I would totally nerd out to read this master's history thesis. And so I'm really excited. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm really excited to read this thesis (laughs) because it sounds like the kind of things that I ended up writing as an English major. Yeah, seriously. Picking books and movies and analyzing them and it was super cool. I've got one here from Brittany Anderson on Instagram and she says... I think a big lesson from this episode of Dr. Quinn is forgiveness slash letting go. Although Silly and Lauren's relationship isn't completely fixed as we still see tension between them in future episodes, I do think the healing has begun for them in this episode, which I think is also an ulterior meaning behind the name of this episode. A reminder that the name of this episode is The Healing. She says not only is Lauren in need of physical healing, but also emotional healing, which is... I never thought of that. I know, like, I think we talked about Lauren, but that wasn't really, like, I think their relationship was mostly what we talked about. We didn't really talk about him maybe, like, individually in that way. So that is definitely a neat thing to contemplate now that she said that. A good title goes a long way. Because even I think you could play in Olive and Dr. Mike kind of had healing in their relationship, too. In that episode. I know. (laughs) The final lesson we received was from the Instagram account Gilmore Forever, and they said, the lesson we learn is that no matter what has happened between people, at the time of need, we all need to be prepared to do what we can and just go beyond our disagreements and anger. Nothing matters at the time of need. You talked about that, like Sully putting maybe his grievances or hurts aside in order to make sure that Lauren was okay. Right. Awesome, guys. Thank you for sending us those. Those are just a couple. Don't forget, we'll be doing the same thing for this week's episode and would love to hear any lessons. While these ones were more serious, because it was kind of a more serious episode, we are open to funny ones as well. Whatever lessons come to your mind while you're watching the episode or listening to the podcast, let us know. So I also want to mention something else. This is not a lesson, but it does have to do with a write-in. And it also relates to something that you just also alluded to about 
some continuity errors. So earlier, in an earlier episode, someone talked about having a story Bible. And because we recognized that there were different directors, there were different writers of the show, and there was no show Bible, that it does make sense that there may be some inconsistencies in the show. However, uh, the Instagram account Petulis sent a message to our Instagram quite a few episodes ago. And I kind of read through this and I wasn't really sure what it meant. And then I watched this episode and I was like, oh, what this means. So what she said was she wanted to let me know that the episodes, the Dr. Quinn episodes were actually aired by CBS out of order, especially season one, but actually two and three as well. You mean when they premiered? Yeah. Which I was like, what? No way. But then watching this episode, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, but it makes sense because in this episode, we kind of almost backtrack to a, like, right after the epidemic. I don't want to go too into it because we are pitching ourselves as a spoiler free. Um, And so we're still going to keep watching in the order that was released by CBS because the release order is then how it was marketed on like DVDs and even if you watch like Kelly and I both watch via Amazon Prime video they order them in the order that they premiered however I did find this Tumblr account that is called Michaela Quinn MD and they have what they call a quote-unquote logical viewing order it's not an unofficial viewing order it's not right even like you know nothing nothing's ever been I don't know I guess officially announced of why this happened and part of me is like was it just preparedness because I have reasons like why I think maybe they didn't want Ethan Cooper to show up in what would be an earlier episode right But if you want to check out the logical viewing order, you can check out this Tumblr page. I'll actually link it on our website just because I thought it was really interesting to see how they had pulled out moments and said, like, logically, this should have happened before this and this shouldn't have happened after that. And it does correct the what I would call, you know, kind of continuity error or tension that we feel in this episode especially when it comes to Dr. Mike and Olive's relationship coming from the last episode so I'm just throwing that out there and we can talk about it more if it comes up but it's just something to think about I don't know why CBS did that in the Tumblr post it said that CBS occasionally aired episodes of Dr. Quinn out of their order like many television shows so I don't know hmm Interesting. One more thing I wanted to add before we start. As you know, I'm in physician assistant program and I am constantly learning. And we actually just finished the pulmonology module today. So I had a big exam on all sorts of conditions of the lungs. And one thing I wanted to clarify when we were learning a little bit more about TB than we already had learned in our infectious module disease is that I had mentioned earlier in the Law of the Land episode that Kid Cole probably was in latent TB, but this was incorrect because latent TB, as I now know more about, is actually asymptomatic and non-infectious. So if someone's in latent TB, it doesn't mean that you can 
get TB from them. So the fact is he was very symptomatic as we saw. So he was in active TB, but at that point in time, they didn't know a lot about the spread of disease. So he actually probably was spreading tuberculosis to a lot of people. But I just wanted to clarify that since I'm constantly learning things and wanted to share it with you guys. So without further ado, let's get started. Great. Season 1, Episode 6, Father's Day, premiered on the 30th of January, 1993. It was a Saturday. It was directed by Jerry London. This, was his, this would be his first of 21 episodes that he would direct of Dr. Quinn. He also would direct one of the direct-to-TV movies of Dr. Quinn. Uh, and he did a lot of other shows that I've... Well, he did a lot of other shows, like, <laughs> he directed a lot of other shows, and I just wrote down some names, like, Jag, the original Hawaii Five-0, Happy Days, Bra- Brady Bunch, Hogan's Heroes. Um, all of those shows which we love. Yeah. Individual episodes of those here and there. The original Hawaii Five-0, Kelly, not your yeah. Hawaii Five-0. No, I know the original the ori- Hawaii Five-0. The Tom Five-0. Selleck one. <laughs> hey. Yes. Here's a fun fact of the day. Our dad looks like Tom Selleck. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, our dad that? has Tom Selleck's mustache. Basically, our dad gets told that he looks like Tom Selleck or Dr. Phil. There is no in-between. <laughs> but but really, what it is, is people just, it's the mustache. <laughs> the mustache, yeah, exactly. exactly. But our mom did say that when she was younger, she had a crush on Tom Selleck, and then she ended up marrying our dad. So I think it's a thing. She practically married her celebrity crush. <laughs> I'm just thinking of her listening to this. <laughs> She's going to be like, are you serious? Well. <laughs> okay. Uh, and actually only one writer uh, for this episode, Sarah Davidson, which this uh, is actually her second show that we've talked about that she was the writer for. We open on the field outside the church where we hear Amazing Grace being sung, which, pause for a moment. One of your favorite songs. It's one of my favorite, I mean, it's my favorite hymn, period. The best version of Amazing Grace of all time is bagpipe solo version. Okay, continuing on. We get some church announcements. We learn they're having a Founders Day social. And they're going to play games and have a potluck. And they're also going to have an auction to raise money for a real school. (laughs) And I was so excited to hear this because actually in our last episode, I asked you, have we talked about school at all? And you were like, no. Well, here it is. We don't have a real school. That's why they're raising money. And different characters offer things to be sold, like the quilting club is going to sell a quilt. Um, Jake's giving out haircuts and <laughs> shaves. Olive is going to give a prize bull all the way from, from Mexico. <laughs> and Dr. Quinn offers up smallpox vaccines. And that goes over about as well as... As it probably would today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like... Well, actually, maybe I don't know. I, I, I feel well, like it wouldn't be weird to be like vaccinated for free sounds good to me (laughs) my point is that it's probably more controversial today with the general public than it probably was children i feel like this is an (laughs) argument for people who have children whether they vaccinate their children or not sure we won't get too much into it but it doesn't go over very well yeah it's kind of awkward because i think she's like super proud of herself like oh i came up with this awesome thing 
and nobody is really into that. But it actually is pretty interesting because the smallpox vaccine, which I feel like most people, I'm pretty sure anybody in medicine has learned about um, Edward Jenner, who actually developed the smallpox vaccine, which was the first successful vaccine ever, ever, ever to be developed. Um, And that was in 1796. Let me ask a stupid question. Do it. Are you going to ask what smallpox is? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well yes but i I was gonna try and make it more logical and be like are smallpox and chickenpox the same thing (laughs) they're not smallpox is something that actually took out a lot of people um Uh, you said that so politely it took them out for dinner and a movie (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh no it was like a plague it swept through yeah, and so what's really neat about smallpox actually is it was it's actually been eradicated. The World Health Organization um, came up with a global vaccine campaign. It doesn't exist. Meaning it does exist, but it we don't have like active cases of smallpox today. In fact, the last active case we had was like there was somebody in uh, Bangladesh in 1975 and someone in Somalia in 1977. But no, we've officially eradicated eradicated it because they had this massive vaccination like campaign um, around the world to make sure that we could get rid of it. Now, does that is that vaccine still being produced? Yes, because there's always the thought that smallpox could be used as, unfortunately, if there was a case of bioterrorism or biological warfare, we would want to make sure we still have the vaccine around. So somewhere in a lab that's probably... <laughs> has a million locks and a million um key key access codes to get in um there is a vaccine for the small for smallpox but it's not something that we actively give out today because it's not an issue for our population that's amazing i didn't know you could do that i know it's they need to do that with covid (laughs) well they're working on it trust me they're working (laughs) on it yeah, at this time, for her to be able to access that was probably very realistic. I mean, she was probably ordering it from Denver, and she was getting vials of that vaccine. But, you know, we know a lot more about vaccines today than we did before. And so the fact that, you know, a little bit later on, we'll kind of hear these conversations of, you know, people okay. aren't really into that is because, again, there's not a lot of knowledge, so people are afraid of what they don't understand. Then the title sequence runs without the narration. Did you notice that? I, I didn't notice that. The, the title sequence was music only. There was no This is the narration. first time? Yeah, this is the first time. Interesting. And then a town, a town, a, a town is seen riding in on a horse. A man is seen riding into town on a horse. And that man notes the sign on the boarding house, which says like mm-hmm. Charlotte Cooper's boarding house. Cooper's, yeah. Uh, and that man is played by actor... Ben Murphy. And then we are outside the church where Dr. Mike, Emily, and Olive are discussing vaccines. And I guess Dr. Mike is trying to make a case for it and talks about, like, for a whole family, it could be a really helpful thing. And what's interesting to me is that Dr. Mike says... And giving a vaccine could prevent an epidemic. Yeah. Don't you want that? Which, and then Olive says, I'm not interested or, you know, I, I, she kind of says no, <laughs> which is weird because the first episode that we met Olive in was the quote unquote epidemic. 
So I feel like yeah. this town, yeah. the minute they start saying epidemic, people should be like, oh yeah, don't want, been there, done that, don't want to do it again. Yeah, and smallpox would be way more devastating than influenza for sure. But it's kind of funny because Emily is like, you know, maybe you should go to the quilting circle. <laughs> like those women, they decide things around here. Things like vaccinations. And Dr. Mike's like, I don't have time for that. Quilting. No, but actually, does Dr. Does Doctor Mike strike you as someone that wants to sit in a circle? And does she even know how to? You know, then I'm like, well, that's my thought. Well, she was but... raised a lady. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. she had a governess. That's a lady thing. It's a thing. It's a hobby that women take up, which yeah, I mean, you're right. There you're would right. be a valid argument that Dr. Mike probably was never really interested in it. She was more interested mm-hmm. in being at her dad's, you know, clinic with him. But yeah, but it's just funny that it's like these are the women that like are the deciding factor for things in this town. And she's just figuring that out for some reason. Yeah. And and if you think earlier, there was like a we did see the quilters in an earlier like I think in the yeah. pilot. I where think it was she, a pilot. like, storms over to yell at Reverend Johnson or whatever, yeah. and um, the quilters were, like, out there. So I feel like it is a, a consistent thing, and, I mean, ladies who have a say are going to be ladies who talk, and that would be a safe right. place to... Right. A safe, man-free place to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of man places, the very next scene, we are at the saloon, and the same man that we saw riding into town earlier is playing, I'm assuming poker, right? But I don't really know a lot about, like, specific Kelly, games. Kelly, you're so cute, because I literally wrote, I don't understand, gambling, blackjack, poker? Are these the same thing? <laughs> Did you just call us cute? That's the first time I've ever heard that. Cards and money, that's all I know. This so tells I'm like, you a lot about our, how we were raised. Upbringing. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I don't regret that at all. But yeah, I didn't really, to be honest, I was like, I don't understand gambling. We hear another character say, Hank thought he was cheating. And then someone else right. is like, well, Hank's a poor loser. And we never get that answered. Was he cheating or was Hank just mad because he wouldn't give them a chance to win their money back? Right. Yeah. It's basically he's winning a lot of money and everybody else that's playing in the game is bowing out or tapping out or I feel like there's a term for that in in (laughs) poker where you like leave the game. I don't know what it's called. Someone's going to yell at me, but, um, and it's kind of like just between him and Hank and, and I guess fold fold it's folding hank finally folds <laughs> good job go. good job good job and um you know he's like let me see because he wants to like i prove like okay you actually do One. have the cards yeah and you know mr cooper's like oh you don't pay to peek and so he kind of goes towards the back because i guess he wants a room and then it's kind of weird because next thing we know there's a chair someone and he's being knocked out but we never, it's never confirmed who that actually is. I mean, yeah, I thought about that too. I was like, why did they not show us who knocked him out? I would assume it's Hank because he was yeah, the one I who would was too. mad. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, do you think it's good for the saloon owner to be knocking out his own customers? I mean, do you think it's good for the saloon owner to be drinking while he's working? Probably not, but that's a normal thing. <laughs> you know, Kelly, yeah. I haven't been to that many saloons. <laughs> we should go find out. <laughs> gosh um yeah when this covid is over (laughs) anyway dr mike is now i assume they've just ridden across they that maybe their wagon was at the church and now they're going to the clinic 
It seems that way. She's in the wagon with the kids and she notices an injured man being carried into Jake's shop. And so she of is course. over there like a bullet. And uh, and he re- he finds out she's a doctor. And he I know. does not want Jake to touch him, which is, I guess we could say it's refreshing because he doesn't even blink oh, yeah. twice at her being a female doctor. He says, you're a barber, right? She's a doctor. Let her do the stitching. <laughs> which I think, I think is done for a lot of reasons, but it makes you kind of like him as a character it just does. because this is the first time that she's not having that kind of Battle. backlash. Not to mention it's a man, right? I think, sure, if it was a woman... Maybe we'd ha- we'd be like, oh, that's cool, but it's if a guy. It and he woman, brings up a really good point. Believe wouldn't have even taken her to Jake's shop, right? Like, <laughs> you're right. Well, he pr- she probably wouldn't have got it over the head with the chair in the saloon this either. This is but. a valid argument. No, no <laughs> ladies allowed in the <laughs> in the saloon. I'm not a lady. I'm a doctor. Dun, yes, dun, dun. I was definitely for this. And also, she brings. Um, I mean, he brings up the argument we br- we've been saying this whole time is like. He literally cuts hair for a living. Why is this under, for some reason, his, like, you know, job requirements? And so she kind of assesses his wound and decides that he needs stitches, I guess, based on the depth of it. All three of my younger siblings have cracked their heads open and had to get stitches, and I was involved in all three (laughs) reasons why they ended up cracking their heads open. Says a lot about you. But (laughs) a lot of wounds have happened and somehow I've always been involved. I have a nitpick about his head wound. Do you? He was hit in the back of the head with the Mm -hmm. chair. Well, I guess maybe he fell forward and hit his head and that's what knocked him out. But the wound is on the front of his head and I'm like... Is it on the front of his... It's on like the top. It's like like here. More more anterior. Yeah, you're right. And so I feel like... kind of... I mean, maybe now that I just thought about it... If he fell forward, maybe he hit his head on something and that's what... Because maybe the chair just kind of gave him a bruise, not in the back of his head. But I guess maybe if he hit the front of his head on something. Yeah. I guess that would make more sense. Look at you taking a good patient history because it kind of does bother me. She doesn't ask any questions. She just looks at it and she's like, you need stitches. I'm like, (laughs) she didn't even ask him like... How did this happen? How long ago did this happen? Or, like, what if there was something in it, the wound? Oh, for sure. I mean, and that's another thing, right? It's like, oh, let's just dip it up. There's no, like, actually cleaning of the wound. But what is accurate about this scene? Everybody's watching. <laughs> yes. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be Jake's office with Dr. Quinn in it if there weren't. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, we see that Dr. Quinn goes to the... Quilting circle. She does. And I don't really like this scene. (laughs) Well, obviously. It's so funny. Emily's so sweet, right? She's trying to introduce... It was kind of weird, though, because Emily's like, oh, like, Dr. Quinn, like, trying to, like, make her seem valid, right? Dr. Quinn did some quilting with her people back east. I'm like, what does that mean, (laughs) with her people? (laughs) Like, rich people? (laughs) White people? Because I'm pretty sure that's not it. Like, I don't know. I thought that was so weird that I'm like, why are we... What does that mean? Her her northern friends. High society. Yeah, I don't know. I guess. But it's this awkward moment of, like, you think it's going to be fine. You think she's going to be, you know, welcomed in. And, of course... Olive. Olive is a jerk. <laughs> yeah, and it's re- it was really hard to watch 
Olive be this way after the really touching moment we had with them in the last episode. Where she saved her brother's life. Well, not even that, but just like the, the I respect yeah. you and I, I'm thankful to you, whatever. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's not like she's a stranger that you just don't want to take the time to get to know. Right. Olive says to Dr. Mike, which I guess they're trying to present, what is the core issue that do- that Olive has with Dr. Mike, right? Because most of the time, if we don't like a person, there's a reason, right? But she says to Dr. Mike, and I guess this is her core problem with Dr. Mike, mm-hmm. you act like you've got the answers to every question. So I guess she's saying she doesn't like her because she's a know-it-all. Yeah. However, <laughs> like, do you think that that is a valid argument like the the reason olive does not like this woman doctor is because she's a know-it-all yeah because what has dr mike done that's made her seem like a know-it-all to be honest i think it's like one of those situations where olive's had issues for a while and this is maybe what pushes her over because really the only thing that happened was dr quinn offered for the sake of the school like free vaccinations right right and somehow yeah that got turned into this idea that she's she knows too much and is a know-it-all. But, I mean, I think that Dr. Mike does come off very confident. She does know a lot. She knows, like I just said, there's there's a lot of things that are going on during this time that are, there's a, there's fear because there's not knowledge of it. And, and Dr. Mike suddenly is coming along saying she has all this knowledge and she knows all these things. And I can see how that would be irritating to someone who's lived in the same kind of place, in the same kind of way for a long period of time. But I do agree that it's a little like, whoa, zero to a hundred. Like, why, why is this what's pushing you over this one thing? Like, I feel like maybe that's a valid argument coming from like our male characters. Like, you think you know everything because you went to fancy school and are a doctor. But Olive, like Charlotte, is a strong, independent woman who is, I mean, is presented in the show as this woman who has very much taken on a man's role. She's a rancher. Mm-hmm. She traveled to Mexico to pick up, you know, cows. And, like, the, her, her, even her job and what she does is not traditional female, right? Like, oh, she right. quilts. That's traditional female, right? <laughs> not to say that yeah. quilting is, is... Oh, gosh. We're you, about to get into general You know, no, I'm roles. not, yeah. I'm not trying to, like generalized but yeah. but I what I am trying to say is I feel like and I, I like that about Olive I like I liked that about Charlotte we love that about Dr. Mike is that they've mm-hmm. stepped outside of in the con historical context of their story what was seen as this is the life a woman lives and they've taken a step outside of it and they've done something more and, and I feel like maybe Dr. Mike like you said she does come off confident maybe even a little pushy nosy right kind of this is the right thing to do. You should do it. We've talked mm-hmm. about that. And that's just part of who she is. But I don't see that when it comes to Olive, like how that is the main issue that she has with Dr. Mike. Right. I'm totally cool with her being like, my aunt died yeah, from a yeah. bad vaccine. So this I can't support you in. Get behind. But to say like, oh, well... You just act like you know everything, so I'm not interested in what you have to say. It just, it doesn't hit 
the right mark for me. Mm. I think I can agree with you. I understand it, but I do think that the reasoning at this point in time is a bit odd. And like you said, we do get that context um, with her aunt, which kind of explains right why she's so skeptical. And that's completely valid. But it's like immediately after that conversation happens, it's like, okay, I'm going to leave now. I'll leave these squares for you, but I'm I'm going to go. You know, and it's kind of like, it's unfortunate because nobody else really gave their opinion, right? Other than Olive, who was quite opinionated, and maybe that's the point. And maybe that's their issue, is they're actually quite alike. Mm. Maybe, maybe, preach, <laughs> you know, maybe that's it. Like, strong, strong personalities coming together to butt heads. But the very next scene, we find out that Harriet has, has come to the homestead and is wanting her children to get vaccinated, which... She didn't say anything at the quilting thing, but that's kind of cool that she came. And she says, don't tell everyone. She says, like, don't tell everybody right. else, but. Yeah, and we notice she's having some discomfort, and she says she probably just ate some bad peaches. <laughs> yeah, she says she has a bellyache. Um, and, I mean, there's a lot going on, right? You have the... The oldest child. Then you have Becky, which... Can we talk about Becky? And all I could see was Nick. Nick our youngest yes. brother, Nick. Because oh, yes. that is how... Y'all have no idea. No, Nick was worse. Like, they had to, like, pin him oh, to yeah. the table to give him shots. I remember being in, like a, like, a CVS Minute Clinic with our little brother getting flu shot. And he was, like, fine. And then all of a sudden he was screaming, crying, reaching for the door handle. And I was like, oh, my... Gosh, he's really good now, but Nick's we still listening. go together. Nick hey, Nick. <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> Love you. But also, yes, I definitely thought he's of him. He's not like that anymore. But I remember there was a time where our mom was yeah. like, I don't think Nick is ever going to travel to a foreign country because he's absolutely <laughs> terrified of getting shots. Now, we will tell you he has been to other countries and he's got the shots, but he still hates yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, I think a lot of people don't like shots. That's, I mean, who does? I don't like shots, right? <laughs> I like giving them. I don't like getting them. <laughs> she looked at me like I'm weird. <laughs> but there's a lot going on, and so and so Dr. Mike says, you know, to Harriet, like, if you're still having this bellyache, I want you to come see me tomorrow. She, yeah, she says tomorrow. Yeah. Which I guess that means, A, Harriet never came. B, Dr. Mike probably should have gone to check on her. <laughs> to follow up. Which... Again, looks a lot differently today than it would back then, but um, yeah, we can we can touch on that um, to come for sure. But I can see how there's a lot going on. She tries to address it, it gets played off, and it's kind of like, well, let's address what you did come here for, which is to stick a needle into your children. Uh, yeah, th I mean, this is probably the first time these kids have ever had a shot in their life, right? <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, looks like it's the next day, or maybe just, yeah, probably the next day. And we are... At the post office, good old Horace is there, as well as Mr. Cooper. Dr. Mike comes in. There's a package for her. And she does ask Mr. Cooper, you know, like, is your head feeling better? He actually ends up kissing her hand, which is, like, this weird, like, I thought they might be flirting before, or at least he was flirting. And then it's like, okay. So she gets this package, which we find out is a package from Chicago that is a surprise for the social. For Colleen. She does allow him to carry her package. Did you notice that? I noticed that. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. 
she said no to Horace and fought Sully, but he didn't take no for an answer. And then he's like, can I carry your package? And she's like, sure. (laughs) But I guess, to be fair, when she first met Sully, he gave her a hard time too. Not for being a woman, but just for being a a city girl. (laughs) So maybe she just feels comfortable already with this guy who was like, you're a doctor? Great. Exactly. It's the mustache. The power of the mustache. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Are you actually? (laughs) Wow. I think also we kind of, it seems like, oh, maybe they come from similar backgrounds, right? Because he guesses, you know, okay, if you're not from Chicago, you're from Boston. He seems to have a very nice wardrobe. He seems to be more educated and sophisticated than most visitors at this point. He shows a general interest in her history and who she is. And there's, uh, yeah, like you said, there's a connection of, well, maybe, first of all, maybe some otherness. They feel, you know, kind of like they're other, you know, outsiders in, in Colorado Springs. But also, yeah, this connection of what is home or normal or, or just right. that he doesn't, he doesn't seem intimidated by her at all in which people i think i mean that that's kind of the root of most people in colorado springs we could argue is that they're intimidated by her and the way they react to that is either to be jerky or ignore her or belittle her or you know straight up tell her off you know right but he doesn't yeah. seem intimidated at all in fact he's he admires her for what she's done and chosen to do. And they end up kind of walking over to the front of the barber shop in which there's a group of people. In which he's, <laughs> I was about to say, in which he's parked his horse. But you don't <laughs> park a horse. <laughs> I he's mean, tied his horse, which is a gorgeous horse, by the way. Actually, when I was watching this, I was seeing about that a lot, how there's a lot of horses in this episode. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. Sarah will have some comments i love horses but everybody's admiring his horse especially lauren which just made me laugh when have we seen lauren ride not at all (laughs) never oh that's not true that's not true the pilot he was in the he was in the search party right basically they have this conversation where he's like well actually if you like it so much i kind of need some extra cash because of this deal that hasn't gone through or whatever you know and lauren's like i don't really need it it's kind of funny because Mr. Cooper says, I'm just going to call him Ethan. Mr. Well, we can call him Mr. Cooper. We're not that personable with him yet. <laughs> Mr. Cooper <laughs> asks Sully. He's like, what about you, sir? And everybody's like, Sully. Why does he pick out Sully? That's what I want to know. Um, Because he's extremely handsome and who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, but like Probably there's because he's so many like- guys there. And he picks... He stands out. The one guy who really stands out, yeah. Well, and also... Why is Sully there? <laughs> Where did he come from? <laughs> I don't know why you have to question his every move, okay? He, it's a town. How He's does to this man town. make a living? <laughs> he he doesn't need to right now. <laughs> he just lives in the woods and then shows up when you need him. Like, the, he's like well. the, the Jake from State Farm. You just, like, say what? his name, and he just shows up. That was the weirdest analogy of my life. Is it Jake from State Farm, or what's the one where he just, like, shows up out of the blue? Yeah, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, and then okay. they appear. This is not an ad. We are not getting paid. <laughs> say Tomahawk three times fast. Oh, and my you God, stop. You're going too far. <laughs> you already lost, like, half the listeners. Okay. We find out that not only does... 
Sully, not only can he not ride, he's... We knew he was afraid, actually, from the pilot. I remember that we had talked about it, but I'm. it's funny to me how, like, the whole town knows. Yeah, well, so I remember because it was after she does the tracheotomy on Black Kettle, after the Sand Creek Massacre, they ask to borrow, or they... Sully says you probably won't get him back, but they take horses from the Coopers, and that's when Black Kettle gives her her Cheyenne name, which is Medicine mm-hmm. Woman. And the, it's the the Cheyenne warriors, one of whom is Cloud Dancing, are with Black Kettle, but then Sully doesn't ride. And, they, and Brian asks, you know, aren't you going to ride? And he's like, no, I, I don't know if he says I'm, I'm afraid of horses or just can't ride. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that was something established in the pilot okay good memory but but yeah everyone laughs i would suppose people would know that he doesn't ride because mm-hmm. doesn't ride right he walks um, everywhere you're right he does show up everywhere on foot but it's almost like that that's like a challenge or something yeah. i don't know what that is it's like a little little testosterone roar going on yeah it's a guy thing <laughs> i mean yeah i feel like it is a guy thing dr mike tries to defend him and is like, he doesn't need a horse. And then they're like, he can't ride. He's scared. And then he, right. he just goes, they cut off the scene weird though, because he just steps forward and he I kind of like it. How much? Right. And there's like this assumption that like he had to like <laughs> prove somehow. I don't like it because it's Sully doesn't, has never needed to prove himself to anyone I know. in this town. Well, we, we see this a couple times in this episode though. We do. And we do. is it all about Dr. Mike? I know some people are going to say it's going to be, but but she was never not impressed with him because he couldn't ride. So is it just that she's impressed or being valued by Mr. Cooper? Don't know. You know what? Actually, someone made a good point. Someone wrote a comment. It didn't get included because it wasn't participating in the lessons game, but someone said, you know, we have to remember that Dr. Mike, because we, you know, I was... I hit her hard last episode about (laughs) the things that she said. And we want characters who are flawed. And I said that from the beginning. And I need to remind myself of that. Like, they're not going to be perfect all the time. And that's what makes them more human. And so in this moment where I'm like, come on, Sully, you're cooler than this. That's what I want him to be. But at the same time, if he was perfect all the time, I would be super even more annoyed with it. You know what I mean? Like, because, yeah, you know what? The girl that, you know, he's getting to know, this fancy man comes in with his fancy clothes and his fancy horse, and in front of everyone they say, oh, Sully's scared of horses. Yeah, that's yeah. that's okay. That He's allowed to be flawed enough to be like, I'm not afraid of the horse. Right? He's not right. afraid of the horse. He's afraid of dying because of the horse. Which right. is also right. a valid fear because I, I'm a horse person and the I learned from a very young age that the only safe horse is a dead horse. So it is not an irrational, irrational fear. They are large animals that yeah. have minds of their own, which is why we love them, but it does, they're dangerous. Right. We are back at the homestead and Colleen is getting fitted for her dress, her Founder's Day dress, which is very pretty, by the way. And um, there's kind of this conversation of like, oh, what if no one asked me to dance? Like, Matthew, would you ask me to dance if like nobody else did? And 
it's just kind of like this funny family moment. And then there's a knock on the door and sure enough, it's Mr. Cooper. And there's kind of this moment with, with Dr. Mike where it's kind of like, oh, like, oh, are you here? And then immediately after Colleen and Brian run and hug him and they say paw. So we finally understand that this mystery man is Ethan Cooper, their father. And I want to know why did he wait so long to reveal who he was? Colleen was really happy and to see him, which we went back and looked at the pilot episode. Charlotte actually never tells us how long it's been since he left yeah but we know that they they and they he talks about it here too like in topeka they had a farm for four years and then he just sold it and then he went mining and then the mine didn't get anything and then he disappeared with the money right it it does make me think how much time has passed but you know brian does recognize him and he's still at a young age so Part of me is like, it must not have been that long ago. And I also have the assumption that Charlotte must have not spoken very negatively about him. Mm. Or or maybe they're just kids and they don't care because Matthew does have a pretty, like... He saw um, the truth. Yeah, right. Even if his mother didn't say, like, he, he witnessed those things happen. Um, and again, we know that he kind of had to step up as man of the house after that happened anyway. So it is, it is interesting, but he has brought all the kids gifts right and it's like oh well this came from china oh i even brought you perfume matthew if you have a have a girl which by the way he totally denies and i love how brian's like liar (laughs) you know so well so this is the dinosaur bone that i wonder if it's actually a dinosaur bone that but that he shows i'm sure it's not (laughs) um well what i was gonna say is interesting though is um, he says Quinn? that he got it in Wyoming. Yeah. So I Last Googled. Fall or something like that. I Googled. Oh, you, okay. You were going to talk about something different. Okay. I Googled Wyoming and dinosaur bones <laughs> <laughs> because uh, there wasn't a lot of historical stuff, but actually Wyoming is said to have one of the richest fossil records in the nation. Which I did not know that. So there's you. Why does nobody know that? Because Fun I'm pretty sure nobody knows but anything actually, about Wyoming. But actually, if you think about it in movies, when they go, they go into the desert, you know, in America to look for fossils. But anyway, yeah, I didn't know Wyoming. So That's interesting. It makes me wonder because I think we're supposed to kind of believe that Ethan Cooper is a perpetual liar. Well, because he mm-hmm. is. But then <laughs> historically. I was like, historically, actually, actually, that's accurate. If if it's a real dinosaur bone, or maybe that's, he did his research too and was like, I'm going to give them this buffalo bone and yeah. say it came from Wyoming because yeah. everyone knows that's where. You know what I didn't look up though? What I didn't look up is when did Wyoming become a state? Become a state. Okay. So Wyoming, however, became a, officially became a state in 1890 so Hmm. i don't it could have been a territory before that yeah i didn't dig that much into those kind of historical records also fun fact i when i was reading about paleontology in the wyoming territory there is a a lot of cheyenne uh mythology and folklore where they have certain creatures in their folklore that they believe were inspired by fossils that the Cheyenne tribes would have come across 
during their time in that region, which I thought was super fascinating and kind of a cool connection too. It is connection. I, I wondered about that because, you know, the capital of Wyoming is Cheyenne. So I wondered. I think that your third grade or your second grade elementary school teacher would be so proud of you for remembering the capitals of the states. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really helping me in medical school, by the way. It's really coming in handy. <laughs> All right. Nonetheless, I like that we have, we are able to see that Dr. Quinn is questioning and calling out because I don't remember if he says, you know, like, oh, I was in Wyoming last fall. And she's like, I'm sorry. I thought she said you were in San Francisco. Yeah. And he's like, oh, did oh, I? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like my, my mind can't keep it all straight, you know, haha. But I, it, I think it's very intentional. And you can kind of tell it's intentional by the producers or whatever that or directors or whoever's job that is that. The writer. Like, okay, we're kind of already suspicious of him and now we're getting this incontinuity in his storytelling nonetheless we oh can i say one more thing that scene ends with ethan saying i'm really thankful to you dr mike for taking care of my burden well so so right before that too we get this explanation you know all as as viewers were kind of like okay but why is he here and you know he says like i found out that their ma died i so I made my way back from all his journeys and everything. And he does. He says, you know, I'm thank you. I'm grateful, you know, for picking up my burden. Yeah. And it's like, it's the way he says it is so yeah. good because I can feel every viewer cringing and being like, being like JK, don't like you anymore. <laughs> Which is annoying later because then we get this like montage of him like doing all these fatherly things. And I'm like okay, picking up your burden, I see. Yeah. But I'm glad that they have Dr. Mike say, you know, like, oh, they are no burden, Mr. Cooper. You know, yeah. like, she was obviously glad glad to do it. Um, next scene. <laughs> Robert E. is trying to teach Sully how to ride. Robert E.'s a good friend. Brian's also there giving advice. <laughs> so cute. I do have to say it is more obvious here that they did use a stuntman. Because the shots of Joe Lando are much more close. And, well, I mean, it's still early in the filming. I'm sure he started to do more horse stuff as he got better. But this this horse that they have trained to, like, freak out and kind of t- topple him off, um, mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to put your actor on that. Even if they were willing to do it. <laughs> most most right. production companies are, are like, no, we're not we're not risking the safety of our actor. Unless you're Tom Cruise, who somehow, you know, says, I'm doing it all. <laughs> right. Also, and, and we'll see the stuntman again, when you when we see the front shots of, of Sully riding, Sully sits on the horse very differently than the stuntman, which this oh. would be one of the things where I would be like, so, some, especially like in fight sequences, you'll see a lot of stunt doubles who actually really try and take on the physical attributes of the actors they're portraying. I would imagine it's harder to do when you're riding a horse, especially if your actor is someone who maybe is not as confident on the horse. Right, right. The way the stuntman sits on the horse, you can tell like that is a, a, you know, a trained and, and just very qualified horseman. Whereas Joe Lando, which totally works for his character, who's really meant to be learning how to ride, in this episode sits on the horse with a lot less confidence than the stuntman yeah. even though we only ever see the stuntman's 
back. <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. You're way more observant. But it's because I know I I know how to ride, and so I can pick out like okay that person knows how to to, to sit, especially like when he's riding bareback, like with no saddle, like. Mm-hmm. There, you sit differently than when you're just, you know, kind of plopped in a saddle with your feet in the stirrups, which is not how yeah. you should ride, but that's what people who are learning kind of do. <laughs> yeah. And he gets he gets tossed. And we would assume maybe that evening, Ethan is teaching Colleen how to waltz and invites Matthew to learn. And Matthew's like, too cool for it. But then he goes outside <laughs> to practice on his own. And it's kind of, it's kind of cute. And then this is where the montage begins, where we see him teaching well, Brian baseball. Yeah. And- but there is, like, that weird, that, there's a split second where there's this converse, like, just, like, a moment where, where, um, Mr. Cooper's like, oh, like, when you guys come with me to San Francisco. Yeah. Like, just casually mentions it, and, and Dr. Mike and Matthew kind of both look at each other, like, a little skeptical of, like, Wait, what? Okay, sorry. This was not a conversation we ever had. And then you're right. There's this montage of them. I like the baseball scene also because a lot of people might not have ever, like, I think a lot of people would assume, like, Brian doesn't know what baseball is, maybe just because they live out in the country. But Hmm. actually, the game of baseball was only, in North America, was only invented in Cooperstown, New York in 1839 by Cooperstown Cooperstown oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) by a young man named Abner Doubleday Hmm. Abner Doubleday the the guy who is kind of credited with inventing baseball uh went on to be a civil war hero and baseball went on to become one of America's most beloved national pastimes it was cool to think about oh yeah he probably hasn't learned baseball because it hasn't been around for very long. Yeah. Again, you thinking of things that I definitely wouldn't think of. And then we're in the garden and they bring up Foxglove and Digitalis again. And I knew what she was talking about. <laughs> Yay. Also, now that I've actually finished the cardiology module, it's really interesting because we talk about Digitalis to treat arrhythmias and congestive heart failure. But I actually learned a lot about Digitalis today. We don't use it that much because it's actually extremely toxic for the organs. Wasn't Digitalis what she gave Maud? It is what she gave Maud, which she had to order. Yeah, that she ran out of and that's why Maud died. So I really like the fact that now she's trying to grow it herself so that she doesn't have to yeah. wait on just shipments. I thought that was a really interesting... No, I think it's awesome. And I'm really glad you caught that connection because I was like, oh man, that is what I think is so cool about, you know, rural medicine, underserved medicine, international medicine is, yeah, you have to find a way to have solutions to problems that normal, you know, cities or scenarios don't have to think about. And so I'm like, that's awesome. And, and we have to remember that was the first patient she lost when she got here. And that was very significant for her. So yeah, I thought that was super awesome. I really enjoyed that. Um, but they kind of actually have a serious conversation. It's serious, but it's also kind of lame because he basically says, Charlotte exaggerated everything and we don't believe it for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And that's because we, we really like Charlotte, right? But also because he hasn't proved himself to be the most truthful person. But the moment where it's kind of like, oh, like, haven't, hasn't there anything, and anything in your life that you, you had to do just in spite of anything? You had to follow a dream, you know? And she's like, yeah, 
But I also, and, and I assume that, yeah, is like coming here. Nobody understood me coming here, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do it and I had to do it. But she says, you know, I also know what it's like to lose a father. And I was like, ooh, good dig. <laughs> yeah. But Charlotte says that in the pilot. Like, it doesn't matter how you lose them. How you... Right? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So... And and he kind of twists it to be like, that's why I'm here, to make it right with the children. And you think, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean... That's... I mean, we're... Why else... Why else would he be here other than that reason right there? Next thing we know, Sully is bringing a very large (laughs) turkey. This is what he does. (laughs) I asked what he did earlier. He just goes hunting. Yeah, he hunts. Exactly. And he brings him a turkey for dinner. Um, (laughs) I love when he hands her the turkey and it's like, (laughs) like she almost can't (laughs) hold it up. You're like, that's a big turkey. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of weird at first, though, because Dr. Mike's not there and he just sees Mr. Cooper. And then it's like, um, yeah, they they don't really looking for Dr. Mike. Yeah, we don't really explain where Mr. Cooper is staying. So I think it is kind of weird. Yeah, I think at the beginning there's this assumption he has a room at the saloon, but he's he's spending an awful lot of time at the homestead, which is fine. But I think it's this moment of like, oh, like, well, you brought it. You should stay for dinner. And he's like, no, it's fine. And then the kids are like, seriously, Sully? Like, you have to stay. Yeah. Well, it's Matthew and Brian basically beg him. I know I'm like, oh, only, like, one alpha male allowed at the table at one time. (laughs) Or, like, what is the situation here? But it is kind of like that where it's like... (laughs) But it's weird. It is this weird thing of... I think that's what it's kind of implied of, like, he's usually... he, He has dinner with them all the time. We've seen it. But it's... There's someone else there. He's kind of, like... He, I don't know, would you say that Sully's been a father figure and now that their father's actually there, it's like this weird thing? Or is it more of... I feel like, I mean, for Brian, he's definitely been a father figure. I think for for Matthew, maybe more of a friend or, yeah, like a man right. to res- a mentor, right. man to respect. But, yeah. I mean, he's definitely been a male presence, presence in their life. I did kind of wonder, like, why... Why does Sully not like Mr. Cooper? Because I think part of me at the heart, you know, I want kids to have a relationship with their dad, right? Because I know the value of, yeah, a a father is a very important person in your life. And I recognize that there are many fathers and mothers in the world who, you know, failed to really do that job. And we're very blessed to, you know, have... A, a mom and a dad but and maybe this is what dr mike's thinking too is she's like i would rather these kids you know yeah. have an opportunity to really know their father even though yeah he messed up and he hurt charlotte and he hurt the kids right. but he's here now and i i would never you know wish to take that away from him it's their dad yeah, yeah. and so part of me I, I guess maybe it's just sully has intuition that he's already suspicious of his motivations maybe Mm -hmm. it's his or his intentions with the children or maybe he's suspicious of his intentions with dr mike which are which it's all valid valid. because we know that that is a you know it's it's an interesting dynamic after sully decides to stay for dinner we see matthew kind of has been almost the whole time really standoffish with his dad and he's struggling to chop, and he freaks out at 
his dad, which I think he has every right to. And I love seeing character development in Matthew. And I've said this before. Like, I really, <laughs> I really feel like we haven't been given much of a chance to get to know him as a character. And so I love that when he questions his dad, it's not ever about his own emotions. It's about, for a year, I watched right. my mom wait for you to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's like, why did you never write? I think in the last episode, was it the last episode? Yeah, in the last episode where Colleen was mad at Dr. Mike, and I, I think I said, like, I wish I knew what Colleen was feeling in that moment, but I think Chad Allen does a really good job that when he's asking or, or just presenting his mother's struggles, we know even without him saying what that was like for him to watch his mom hurt and to have to right. step up and you know, be, fill a role for his family, for his siblings, and be okay with the fact that he had lost his dad too, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Ethan's answer of like, why, you know, why did you leave? is like, I had to find my way and get some answers. And I'm like, to what? (laughs) Are you like 20 years old? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and he even like tries to apologize and Matthew doesn't really, it's interesting because I'm like, does, does he just want him to say sorry? But he doesn't because he tries to and it's like, it's not what he wants to hear. Well, I mean, it's one, I think this is definitely one of those things. And with Matthew being older, like Colleen and, and Brian are so excited about their dad being back that they don't focus on their hurt of losing their dad. Whereas Matthew's like still so hurt that he mm-hmm. can't even be excited and he knows that saying sorry is not going to take away a the hurt that he experienced but also his mom right like he never right. his mom never got closure with that and that's i mean i guess that's hard like she had to struggle because of what he did you know and raise three kids on yeah. her own and i mean the thing is we're all like charlotte was amazing and she did it really well but, um, but yeah, that's, that's really hard. And then when he asks, you know, why didn't you write? We learned that Ethan Cooper cannot read or write, which is really surprising. When I saw that scene, the question I had was, I wonder what the literacy rate actually was during that time. Like mm-hmm. how many people couldn't read and write? And census information from the 1850s to the 1860s suggests that between 75% and 90% of adult whites were literate. Wow, that's that's more than I would think. Actually, me too. I was like, wow, that's way higher than I thought. I guess it's not considering we are kind of post the initial immigration, right? There will be more, obviously, people immigrating from Europe, but this is post-Revolutionary War, post-Civil War, so it does kind of make sense that for, mind you, uh, white men, right? Because I doubt this literacy rate, I doubt included women. Mm -hmm, Um, And if it did, it was probably only high-class white women, Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it that definitely seemed higher to me as well. It, that's for like all of the US. That's for well, census information would have been, yeah, census for the territories and states, maybe maybe right. more states. 
I just wonder with like the amount of population. Yeah, well, yeah, because I'm thinking like, <laughs> you you know what it's like for people to do the census now. They go door to door. Like I can't imagine that that was happening in the same way. Extremely accurate. Right, because yeah. back then. Like, Dr. Mike's family, Dr. Mike and the Coopers, like, they don't even live in the town. So I feel like them, probably on average, if you had actually had a census worker go to Colorado Springs, I kind of doubt he would have gone to every homestead, you know, not in the city. But for this was the, and that's why it's like 75 to 90%. Like, that's that's a big range. Right, right. So I don't think it's, like, totally inaccurate that... Uh, Ethan Cooper is illiterate and there were some notes in my research that kind of said some people could do basic things like read a sign and write their name but some people so but whether you consider that literate or not Mm. could oh that's true that could be subjective right so because back then that was what your average worker would need to do they would need to be able to read a read a sign you know on a shop and they would need to be able to sign their name if they were, you know, buying something um, and maybe know their numbers. So is that literate fully? I don't know. But it does make me wonder about Ethan Cooper because, like you noted, he seems well-dressed. Mm-hmm. I guess we're supposed to, as we go forward, we think, oh, he's this classy businessman. Maybe it's all just a big lie and he just keeps stealing from people. (laughs) But he presents himself as a very well-mannered, very intelligent and well-educated man. Uh, Which is why it's, I think, all the more surprising when he's like, actually, your mom helped me get by. Which then, my question is, wait, then that makes even less sense why you would just ditch her and steal the money because it sounds like she was what was keeping you guys afloat to begin with. Right. And it just makes me love Charlotte all the more. (laughs) And he reveals to Matthew that this is the first time he's ever told anyone that he can't read or write, which I'm really impressed. How did he, how do you, how do you keep that lie up? And not accidentally even let anyone know. If you have, you know, a deed to a ship in the Orient, what kind of paperwork would have been involved? You know, I just think about things like that where I'm like, how, how did he get away with that for so long and nobody knew? But I mean, that's probably why he had a partner. He just put the partner right. in charge of that stuff. Right. And he was yeah. probably, yeah. you know, he's very charming and likable in a way so he was probably the you know the pitch the guy who made the pitches and convinced people we're a good investment because that's basically what he did to this whole well not to this whole town but to dr mike and his kids you know he he was able to put on this amazing front that they're like wow he's really changed he's really committed to this family and really he's just waiting and plotting to get money and and I have to wonder like if they weren't having the founders day social like was he planning on stealing money from Dr. Mike like what was he going to who yeah. was he going to steal from cuz he obviously came Whether there he could get on his side I think yeah we know and at the dinner table when it's like who's going to carve the turkey and they both stand up and <laughs> you're the guest it's your turkey like it's very well I feel like the guest is a little bit of a dig right <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, like, reminding him. Like, by the way, this is normal. 
<laughs> yeah. And you are the, like, outstanding character in this yeah. this play. Yeah. And, of course, we have Mr. Cooper say a prayer that's very nice and full of... Never separate our family again or something like that. Right. But there's also, like, eerie music playing yeah, while it's happening. I really don't <laughs> think the music works. And I wrote that but down. But is it supposed to be, like, foreshadowing of, like, this guy's not who he seems to be? Yeah, I felt like the music was almost overkill for yeah. that because we we've already established enough with his like conversations that we don't fully trust him to add that where he's like giving a prayer and then being like like the Jaws theme song or something. Oh, oh, I just remembered something. I know why Sully doesn't like Mr. Cooper. Because Wolf doesn't like him. Oh, there is. I forgot he, like, growls and barks at him yeah, when they come up. Maybe Sully's like, you have bad intentions. Speaking of intuition. Because my dog is telling me that. Because I totally, I mean, <laughs> dog owner here, if my dog didn't like someone, and my dog loves everyone. <laughs> I was going to say, your dog loves everyone. <laughs> exactly. So if he started going nuts at somebody, I would be like, what's wrong with Something's you? not right. <laughs> yeah. After the eerie music, well, in the prayer, he says something that kind of alludes to the fact that he's staying. And they, they sort of ask, you know, like, does that mean you're staying? And and he says, no, I'm not staying, but I'm going to take you and you kids to San Francisco. And, of course, Colleen and Brian are ecstatic. And they're very intentional about camera angles here, I feel like, because kind of pans to Sully and Matthew. And they're both looking at Dr. Mike. To see her reaction. Right. And then Dr. Mike's sitting there with, with tears in her eyes, you know. I kinda, I like that. I like that they both... Because I'm sure they have opinions on that, but I'm, I'm sure their first concern is, like, what does Dr. Mike think about all this? Because she's been there. Well, and that means guardian. she's going to be alone if he takes the kids. Right. She's going to be alone. Right. So the next day they're outside. She's hanging clothes. And the, the two younger ones, they're really... They're really smitten with this whole, their dad and all these ideas he's kind of put out there for their future. They're talking more about this plan to go to San Francisco. He's telling Colleen about her room with a canopy bed. Right. And Brian, very, like a little kid, is just like, of course Ma's going to come with us. And Ethan, you know, makes a comment, they need doctors in San Francisco. And her response, she actually... I like that she doesn't say much of anything, but then she yeah. says, well, they need a doctor here. Yeah. I like that she says there's, yeah, there's a lot of call here. Yeah. Which is kind of so interesting to hear that from her, that she still sees a need there, even though it's been such a battle. Like, part <laughs> yeah. of me is like, wouldn't it just be easier to go to a big city where they won't reject medicine and maybe we'll be sure. more accepting? But she, mm-hmm. she really feels called to this place and these people and 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 I think what's hard is the kids are a big part of that for her absolutely now we are in the woods and I really like this scene because it's Sully and Cloud dancing and their horses Cloud dancing has the most beautiful paint horse I've ever seen and I want that horse so bad and I love the horse (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Sully basically is like well this horse came to me, you know, which is kind of funny because I'm like, 
Is that how that happened? But I mean, maybe it is in his mind. But we do get some context to why he is afraid of horses because his brother was dragged to death, which is actually one of the one of the first times so far we've heard about anything about his family, really. Cloud dancing is like, you need to thank this horse, you know, for the for the gift it's going to give you and do not leave this horse. And, you know, Sully's kind of like, what? <laughs> I don't know. There's this like moment where he's like, sorry, what? You know? And then we have that montage where it's like, Sully with the horse, leading the horse around, petting the horse. I would have been totally <laughs> happy watching the horse. if more of this episode was, yeah, just Sully in the woods bonding with the horse. And I'm like, I literally was watching it and I was like, this is my dream. A horse, a dog, and me in nature. No people. I thought you were going to say, a horse, a dog, Sully, me. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't argue to that too much, but... Wow. Did you hear that, listener? She's trying to get on the Sully bandwagon. I am here for you. I support it. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I just, I'm like, that sounds lovely. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, the next morning, it looks like he's walked with the horse. <laughs> All the way to Dr. Mike's house. To the homestead. And here we see this, they they feel very safe, I think, in their relationship, um, in their friendship, because he's not afraid to say, don't let him take the kids. He lost the right to be their father. And I I like what Dr. Mike says, too, because I think it, it really does make sense why she's like, I... I think if we, you know, from a legal standpoint today, it would be like, he's their dad. He can take the kids, right? But where she says, you know, didn't you ever make a mistake that you wish you could go back and and set things right or fix things? And I yeah. feel like that 100% makes sense that that's what she sees. And like I said, even a part of me is like, I want these kids to be able to have a relationship with their dad. Like, that's a good thing, even if yeah. he messed up, you know? And we, we want to believe people can change and have second chances. And that that's a good... I never I never want to be someone who stops seeing the good in people, you know? Yeah. How, unfortunately, there are some people who would be like, yeah, but guess what? That gets you hurt a lot more. And it does. And in this yeah. episode, it does too, you know? But I'm glad that they didn't make Dr. Mike be like, yeah that's ridiculous. These are my children and yeah. I'm going to fight for them. And because I think they could have probably done that. Yeah. But I, I like that just as you said, like he's given me so far, no reason not to really trust him. He, they deserve to know their dad. Yep. Like I promised I would take care of them and I'm still trying to do that. Yep. But I also want to do the right thing for them, not just selfishly for me. And yeah. I, I like that, and I also feel like that makes Silly a good friend, too, to, like, be able to, like you said, have that accountability to just be vulnerable and call her out because that's what he sees, and so... And I think because he knows, too, right, that she is feeling that. She is, yeah. she's choosing yeah. to be selfless, but he knows that she loves these kids, and this is really yeah. hard for her, and... The moment's interrupted, though, because, sure enough, Mr. Cooper comes on the wagon and, and says, you know, there's a sick woman in town and I came to get you. And we quickly realize that that sick woman is Harriet, the same woman who brought her children to be to get vaccinated and who was having kind of that stomach pain. And she is dead, basically, on, a, on arrival. We find that out. And her husband takes her home. The children follow. It's 
it's sad and suddenly we're in this moment again where Dr. Mike feels very responsible. And the reason for that is she saw that Harriet was in pain. She saw that there was some sort of issue, but she she didn't follow up. So she either has guilt about not following up. She has guilt about not seeing the signs and symptoms and maybe asking more questions. And she's having that kind of feeling again, which we've seen, you know, with, with Maude, with Charlotte. I guess also this episode she's she's been really distracted because like even in the moment when she notices that uh harriet was having pain it was like the becky was (laughs) having her freak out and so it was like yeah okay just (laughs) do this thing even as a viewer i forgot about it yeah you know she says outside the clinic to to mr cooper like she had a burst appendix, which I'm not sure how they found that out because she didn't do an autopsy, so... You can't, you can't see do that any... on the surface, like a... Your appendix is, like, connected to your, your large colon, so there's a lot of things between your skin, like, your abdominal skin and that. Mm. I don't know. I would have liked more context to that. Well, here's a question I have, because she said it had actually been a week since they came to get the vaccinations, Would a burst appendix be that slow to kill you? Because I always thought the appendix is, like, fast. Right. Acute, quick onset. And normally, once you start to have symptoms of, like, appendicitis, it's normally going to be within 48 to 72 hours that we normally see rupture can occur. So so that is very interesting that you caught that. Um, Just to give a brief overview of appendicitis and appendix rupture and everything the appendix is like i said attached to that large colon and it has some purpose with the immune function because it houses a lot of your gut bacteria but it's probably vestigial which just means it's a it's a structure that lost its its function in in the human species over time we have a couple things like that what i've never heard that before yeah and so If it gets infected, again, because like I said, especially in children, it it serves as an immune function housing that bacteria. Well, if that bacteria lead to infection, then it can rupture. And these people would normally present with that right upper quadrant pain. They're going to have nausea. They're going to have vomiting. They're going to have a decreased appetite. And it's, you're going to have that painful inflammation of the abdominal wall and also possibly sepsis. So I can see how those symptoms could have been present when Dr. Mike saw her. But do you know how many, like, conditions can present with abdominal pain? Like, a million and one. So she would have had to take a much better history than she did. But with the rupture, if there's a hollow portion of that appendix and if it gets blocked, you're going to have increased pressures in that appendix. You're going to have less blood flow. The bacteria are going to keep causing inflammation and tissue death. And eventually it's it's going to burst. And think about if it's just a sack full of bacteria and infection and it bursts in your abdomen, like, that's really not good. And so, I don't know. For me, it's kind of, like, hard because, again, today I would I would do certain physical exam tests and I would do a blood test to see if there's signs of infection. I would do a urinalysis. I would do a, a CT scan. There's a lot of things that I would do to confirm a diagnosis, but she doesn't have that at this time, so... The fact that she's able to say that and then feel so responsible. For me, I think about this a lot. And it's really funny. I was talking to one of my um, PA classmates today about, like, how scary it is. How scary it would be if if you were to miss something that could cost a patient their life. And it makes me really want to, like, study more and be more invested and understand more and practice more. Because 
I don't ever want to be that deciding factor between somebody and their life. But what I do like about healthcare is there's a lot of checks and balances. This is why there's so many levels to healthcare and they all are equally vital because it's not just my job to be the only one to look at exams and diagnose patient. Like, no, there, there are radiologists and there are other PAs and NPs and doctors and attending physicians and nurses and nursing assistants. Like everybody has some sort of responsibility in that. And what's hard is Dr. Mike doesn't have that. For me, it's hard because she, she feels so much responsibility, but I don't even know if that's accurate because she I really don't think she could have known. And like we said, like, it's unfortunate she didn't follow up, but Harriet didn't, you know, seek out more, um, more help for that issue, nor did her family. They get on the wagon and go back to the homestead and, and Dr. Mike basically says like, there's no, well, Dr. Mike is kind of conflicted. Like, should I tell the family? And Ethan's like, there's no point in telling the family, you know, she's gone. She's gone. So we're back to Sully and the horse. If you want to talk about Sully's that. riding bareback with cloud dancing. I like this scene a lot. I like where cloud dancing tells him you and this horse were made by the same creator. Therefore, you are one. And Sully starts to canter and he just canters off. And this is where it kind of from, but they have this shot where you see Sully like smiling while riding, which I love that shot because it's really showing. Yeah, me too. He's enjoying it and he's feeling comfortable and he's not afraid. And then he just rides off. He's like a model. His hair is like flowing in the wind and he's like riding this horse. (laughs) The new Old Spice commercial. I'm on a horse. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> what is with you and all your references to commercials today? <laughs> I don't know. No, I think, but I kind of like, where is this storyline going? Like, what is the purpose of all of this? Because, by the way, he's about to lose his horse. Well, I think it's, uh, Cloud Dancing says it earlier, where he's like, you know, I, I've been afraid my whole life. And Cloud Dancing says, that which you fear will always, like, come in front of you. Like, will always come to you. Like, your fears, you'll always have to face your fears. I think that's what this is about. It's about him facing his fears without being afraid or unwilling to try or change or whatever. If you're a horse people, people always say, like, a horse can tell if you're afraid. A horse can tell if you're nervous. So don't, like, you can't lie to a horse. You can't pretend your way out of it. And so maybe there, we could say that there's, like, a subtle theme of honesty here. Like, Hmm. Sully has to be honest with his fears and his doubts in the same way that Dr. Mike kind of analyzes, like, when is it appropriate to be honest? I think it's it's just meant to be a, a growing storyline. And I like that we get to see him and his and Cloud Dancing's friendship more in depth. But and now, interestingly, he's riding bareback in this scene. In the very next scene where he rides into town, suddenly the horse has a saddle on. And I know that the sole reason for that is so that Ethan can steal the horse with the saddle on. But I'm like, that is weird. Because if he learned to ride bareback, he should keep riding bareback. Like, He's trying to be civilized. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a savage, <laughs> as, as Mrs. Quinn called him. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But we are. We're at the auction. Yep. Yeah. And I really like her dress and her hair in this scene. Her dress is, I like this dress a lot too. It's a nice color, but she gets all 
sad when Harriet's husband wants to buy the quilt because it's the last thing his wife ever worked on, which is sad, but then she, like, goes kind of, I don't know, I guess to contemplate. Yeah, to process it, and Sully comes over, and I get, you know... Again, she's doubting, like, if she's competent. She's doubting if she's, like, how can people trust me or or mm-hmm. know that I know what I'm doing? That's what I feel like they're kind of having her wrestle with is I was wrong. I didn't know. I can't tell people because they won't trust me. Yeah, yeah. She didn't, she didn't do anything wrong, you know? Like, she didn't yeah. make a wrong choice. She just didn't act at all. And I know that that's right. what she's struggling with, but... And this is where I think this episode, the theme of this episode doesn't match up because Sully says, speaking the truth, that's what makes people trust you. Mm -hmm. So right here, we have a spelled out theme. If you want to gain people's trust, you have to be honest. Be honest. Our episode will land on the opposite of that. That's true. So then they're dancing. I don't have much to say about this. Ingrid's in a pretty dress. And Matthew doesn't ask her to dance. Colleen's dancing with their dad. Suddenly, Mr. Cooper asks Dr. Mike to dance, which then pans to Sully looking very uncomfortable. And then suddenly they're doing like a, it's just them dancing. Everyone is watching, clapping, and Lauren looks unhappy. (laughs) Lauren does look unhappy. And then he tells Dr. Mike that she can call him Ethan. And he wants to stay and settle down. He's like, oh, now I have a reason to stay. And I'm like, ew. You know how many times that line has been used, dude? Like, you dance with her one time. Chill out. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Well, and then he's like, I got something to do. Okay, bye. And then he heads straight from the church where the money is. Yeah, yeah. Like, was that just to flatter her, to convince her to... To keep her occupied with her thoughts, yes, it should be not suspicious. But luckily we have Sully, who at this point in time, you should be grateful that he is where he needs to be because... But see, this makes sense. It makes sense that he's there because it's a town social. And then he gets held at gunpoint and no one seems to notice Ethan go running out of the church and Sully running after him. Then the whole thing where he whistles for the horse, I'm like, oh, I did not see, like, the first time I watched this, I was like, did not see that coming. Like, I, you know, we've had this whole horse storyline that has had nothing to do with Cooper, by the way. And then it's like, oh. I know. That's why I think it's, like, disappointing because, like, there was this whole huge thing of, like, Sully bonding with this horse. I know. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, make him walk. Sully should get to keep that horse. A, he paid for it. (laughs) B, he bonded with it. But Dr. Mike actually has noticed at this point and kind of says to Sully, like, what? And he's like, he stole the money and he stole my horse. And she's like, he he wouldn't do that. And, you know, she's like, you must be mistaken. And Sully is like, I got to find a horse to borrow. He borrows a horse. Dr. Mike borrows a horse, which, again, is... And no one notices a thing. <laughs> well, it'd be different, like, today, right? Stealing someone's car would be a lot different than just borrowing your horse. But, um... Ethan rides out of town. Sully follows. They're they're jumping over <laughs> fallen trees and being cool there's and some, stuff. There's some cool <laughs> stunt riding in this episode. And and I think they do a really good job of they do these kind of wide shots where it's the stunt guys. But then they also mm-hmm. get some face shots where you actually get to see the actors riding, you know, horses at high speeds. Right. And then they right. get in a fight on top of their horses. Sully actually throws some punches up in yeah. there. Yeah. And then, and then they topple off the horse. Yeah, he's, like, 
being choked. Yeah. Isn't he being choked? Yeah, he's and like then strangling him. Dr. Mike fires her gun, which startles. Well, I um, think it's Cooper's gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ethan's comment is uh, about being a dad, you know, I'm just not up to it. I was going to pay the money back. I'm in trouble. We see a lot, basically all of his true character. Yeah, yeah, right like here. everything that he said. Now yeah. we realize like he was just playing yeah. a role. And, you know, I'm glad that Dr. Mike, the first thing she says is like, how could you do that to the children? Like, forget about me. How could you do that to your children? Well, because it's not even just, like, leaving and never talking to them like you did the first time. Yeah. You've waltzed in. You've built this relationship. You've planted these ideas in their head. You've brought all your fancy gifts, and then you're just going to disappear, you know? like. And he says, you know, I wasn't ready to be a father. But then he's also like, I really care for you. <laughs> and I'm like, you're a liar. <laughs> She's not falling for your little facade but then sully's ready to take him back to the town no sully's ready to take the gun away from dr mike and she's like no and we're like you're not gonna shoot him we know you're not gonna shoot him but like what are you gonna do she decides to let him go sully's like what (laughs) and she says you know let him disappear it's true to his nature and sully got the money but lets him go on the horse um yeah i don't know that i like this this is kind of what she did in the law of the land right I'll take care of it. Like, I guess they got the money back, so it the prosecuting would just be, like, attempted theft. And so, yeah, I guess that would be pretty horrible for the kids to, like, realize that ev- everything that was happening was all just a ploy to get money. But at the same time, part of me is like, what's, what's going to stop him from heading to the next town and doing it, you know? No, yeah. And I'm sure that was very common at this time, and... We should talk about what happens right at the end because we see Dr. Mike sitting with the kids and what does she tell them? She says that he got urgent news and he couldn't say goodbye and he had to leave and he's very sorry. And then Sully comes up with a letter. Right. And the letter says the ship went down. He he doesn't know when he'll be able to be back, but he loves them and he knows they'll be well taken care of by Dr. Mike and uh and I mean Colleen and Brian are crying but I think Chad Allen you can read every emotion on his face like not only Mm -hmm. is it devastation like oh my gosh he actually left because I think in as much as he was like standoffish with his dad he didn't want to be right like he wanted a relationship with him but it was hard for him to forgive him But then also suddenly, like, the clicking of, like, wait a minute, he wrote a letter? Yeah. Can I? Yeah. Can I see that? Right. And he he pulls Sully aside. You wrote nice, you know, and he's he's like, what do you mean? And he said, my dad can't read or write. Yeah. You know, and. But this is where, this is what I kind of, what doesn't work theme-wise Dr. Mike says, always, you know, speak your truth or whatever, you know. and And Sully says. In this case, the truth would only hurt, which is directly contradictory kind of to what he said earlier, which is speaking the truth, that's what gets people to trust you. So the theme earlier was we need to tell the truth, even if it's hard, even if it's hurtful. But then we end on, you know what, the truth is a need to know. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of struggle with it because I can understand, obviously what Sully was thinking. And it's very clear that Dr. Mike was not in on that. Like, she, oh, that was yeah, not no, her. Not the letter. You know. But she was in on, like, not... She wasn't going to tell them what he really did. Yeah. 
And yeah. and that's like that's fine. If you want the theme to be, you know, sometimes because we love people, you know, we protect them, you know, from things that will only hurt. That's fine if you want that to be the message, but then I think they need to change the scene where Sully says, you need to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Because we have a contradiction here in the theme. That bothers you. I can tell it really bothers you. <laughs> English major. And I, I think it's like one of those things where I'm like, I 100% agree with you. Where it's like, they could have really run, ran with that. But I'm also like, well, I've never had children. I don't know the things that I would do just to, to see that my children not suffer, you know. But You want to talk about this? You know, we when we left Senegal... I had rabbit and a family took yeah. care of it. It was like five years later. I asked my parents, how's the rabbit? And like found out the rabbit like died like two weeks after we left Senegal. And it was like horrible <laughs> to find that out. But mom, you know, mom was trying to protect you from, from being really sad because I cried and cried and cried about my rabbit um, that yeah. I hadn't really asked them about in a couple years, you know, um, <laughs> So I'm not comparing my rabbit to losing a father at all, but they just, they have conflicting themes here about the the value of truth or the purpose of truth. Because we'll transition where the earlier conversation was whether or not she should tell Harriet's family mm. that she overlooked. Again, I think it would be different if she had done something wrong to, oh, I ignored... Or I told Harriet, you know, she was going to be fine and I was wrong. Right. So I don't really feel like she should be feeling guilt for what, you know, because she's kind of acting like I I made a mistake. I did a wrong thing, which I'm like, no, you didn't. You just, you didn't push about something that she didn't really want you involved in anyway. Yeah. Right, right. But then, yeah, that she doesn't go to the family. It ends with her going to the quilting people to be like, um, when she was getting vaccines and I just want you to know I made a mistake and I'm sorry that I act like I know everything, but I don't. And I'm like, yeah. wait, where in here was what happened to Harriet? You acting like you knew everything. Where was your mistake? Well, and why are those the people you have to own up to? Like, yeah, I know. I thought it was weird. I, I think it was their way of trying to like close the olive mic thing, but... I think it is weird because she's, like, talking about how she makes mistakes and she has to live with them and everything. And I'm like, these are not the people you need to be vulnerable about this with. Well, not even that, but I just don't feel like this is, this is, she didn't make a mistake here. You know? I know you keep saying that, but if somebody feels like they did, then nothing you say is going to change their mind. She feels like she messed up. And, I mean, even, even... Pooper Cooper said, you know, like, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't feel bad about it. You know, these things happen. You don't need to tell the family. But, I mean, she, she had to work that out herself. Yeah. It's not just about not telling the kids the truth about where their dad went. But it's also, she's hid the truth about Ethan Cooper from the entire town. Mm. And there's no consequences for him or for her in keeping that truth. Yeah, there's a lot of truth, distruth. Is distruth a word? Uh, Untruth? <laughs> What's the opposite of truth? I'm so confused now. A lie? Dishonesty? <laughs> so, yeah. 
it's a good episode in that I think the whole idea of like bringing the dad back is like oh wasn't thinking that was even plausible yeah but I think you're right there's a lot of um discontinuity among the the themes and and things such as that so that's the end of the episode what's your favorite scene I thought about this a lot and somehow I've already forgotten what I finally went with <laughs> <sighs> I don't know I'm stuck I'm okay stuck. I'll tell I'm mine stuck. my okay. favorite scene in this episode is Matthew and Ethan talking really yeah where i just really like chad allen's performance in that part and how much he is focusing on his mother's emotions and his father's actions and that he's not even talking about himself but you can feel that he's been carrying this weight of his mother's hurt his father's betrayal and just getting to see deeper into Matthew and his guardedness. Because I think we, we saw that, especially, you know, in in the first couple episodes, that he really protects himself and he protects his, his siblings and that this is where it started, you know? And he felt like he had to almost put a shield over himself in order to protect the people that he loved and, and not let it overcome him. Yeah, I like that one too. I don't know. I feel like the more also we've talked about this, the more I've kind of changed my mind about certain scenes. Um, Mm. I think just because of, like, some things that I've recently just, like, thought through or thought that the whole idea of, like, feeling responsible for missing something on a patient and that kind of responsibility that lies with you and how scary and disappointing that can be. um, I don't know. A lot of me, like, really identified with that. But I don't know. I really actually think that my favorite is she has that line you know, where they're outside and she's hanging up clothes and it's kind of like, oh, like, of course Ma would come with us and she doesn't exactly respond. And I think that's like, I don't know, I think it's neat because she doesn't want to like, they're very excited and she doesn't want to like crush it or anything. But I like, you know, he says something about like, oh, there's a, there's a lot of, they need a lot of doctors, you know, in California. And she said, there's a lot of need here too, basically. I don't know. I just like that line because without going into too much personal things, that's, how I feel about what I want to do. And I think it's, it's a nice, um, snippet into how much she perseveres and believes in something and how tenacious she is. And I just like that just by one line, she can, she can say that and no amount of excitement about a new life or a new man or anything could, could change what she feels she's called to. And, um, I like that. I think there are people that are called to underserved communities like that. And I just happen to think I'm one of them. So I really like that. Yeah. Uh, we need to rank this episode now. Oh, I totally forgot about so, ranking. We have number one pilot. We're, we're, we've done so many episodes that we actually have like a list. <laughs> pilot, the visitor, law of the land, epidemic, the healing. I think this for me is really a decision whether I like it better than the healing or not. No, I agree. I agree. For me, too. I was just thinking, do I want it above last week? I think I know what I'm thinking, but I don't know what you're thinking. I kind of feel like I liked the healing more. You didn't. I mean, I had a lot of issues with some of the... I mean, I think, actually, I have... It's kind of similar issues, right? Some theme. Yeah, yeah. And... There's some good character moments, but then, yeah, we're missing the mark on just the overall, like, 
the the communication of the episode is not saying what I think it should be saying. Um, so yeah. I kind of would say if I would ask myself Below which episode am I more likely to watch again? I think I would watch the healing again because of the Sully and Lauren Lauren storyline. Yeah, I agree. and I and agree. because I think we also said in the end I think the the healing with the I had issues with the Colleen storyline but then I think the Colleen storyline actually did hit where I wanted it to um whereas this one I don't feel like any of it hits where it should (laughs) no I actually agree with that I really do so we will put it at the bottom of the list numero seis why did they call it father's day is it supposed to be like founder's day and their father is there so it's father's day I don't know I feel like that's a good argument. So, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Hope that you enjoyed this episode. We would love if you would let us know any lessons that you found pertinent to this episode. Please let us know. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, at NotALadyPodcast. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and are we, are, we are actually on a couple Facebook groups. Not a Lady, a Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman podcast. You can also email us. We check our email pretty frequently. It is notaladypodcast at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to check out our website, notaladypodcast.weebly.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're so excited for our next episode, which has been actually an episode that people have actually written and we're like, we can't wait for you to get to episode seven of season one, which is Bad Water. So we really, really appreciate you guys listening and we will see you on the next podcast. Bye guys.